are, we are in a series uh, called uh, uh, All in the Family, right? It's a, it's a family series. It was, it was developed with the intention of this. It was, it was, it was this dream that we, we, we asked the question, if we're going to be game changers, if we're going to be people who's going to uh, live our life or live our faith beyond, uh, faith in action, beyond security, right? If we're going to be game changers for this generation, for this time period, then where do we start? And the, the, the most logical area to start was the family. It starts to be within the family where we, we see a lot of brokenness in society, a lot of brokenness in people, and it stems from the journey of what happened within the family, right? The problem is we, we, we don't realize that God created the institution of family. And so he alone knows what makes a family run. Of course, you can, you can do family the way you want to, right? You can do it the way you, you, you will to, the way you desire to, but it's always less than the best for you. Because if he is the one who made it, then he is the one who also knows what makes it flourish. You guys get me? So a lot of the, lot of the, the brokenness we see, like divorce, bitterness, anger, addictions, that's been passed on from one group to the next, to the next, to the next, we see that because, mostly because people have lost the purpose of family. They've lost the, the picture of what a family is meant to be. That it's meant to, to uh, reflect the image of God, to create the legacy to love him and to be loved by him, we've lost that picture, we've lost that purpose. And so because we lost it, we actually engage in this brokenness. And every generation says, I'm never going to be like my dad or I'm never going to be like my mom. And yet we somehow take up their trait of brokenness and we pass it on. Don't we see that? Could it be that if we were just to go back to the way it was supposed to be, to do it the way God's called us to do it, that we will see flourishing and change in our families, not just our families, but our neighbors, our towns, our cities, our state, our country, our world, right? And, and we, we couldn't have a proper talk about family until we had a proper talk about the role of a man and the role of a woman. That a God made a man, not culture, not the people around you, not, not, not the society, but God made men with a given purpose and a given identity, that wherever a man of God steps his foot, uh, places his foot, it's meant to flourish that place. That your presence is supposed to bring a, 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 a vision, a spiritual growth, godliness. It's supposed to bring a spiritual atmosphere of kingdom-mindedness. That wherever you go, whether it's at home, whether it's at church, whether it's at work, that everywhere you step your foot, that place should flourish because of your presence. And God has given that responsibility unto the men that he has created. And so when we do not live out that responsibility as men, we begin to see brokenness occur. We begin to see less than the best for our families, for our churches, and for our work, right? And in the same way, God created women with an identity and a role and a purpose that if she were to live it out faithfully, we will also see flourishing happen. And the, the, the identity and the role that God has placed upon the woman is not just to be a helper, but it's to be the voice of strength, the voice that changes history, the voices that, that comes alongside brothers and walk with them to create flourishing wherever they go. That the word helper is the very word that describes God. That when God made women, he made women with this ability that when she speaks, that when she lives, that when she expresses herself in the way that he has made her to express herself, things around them change. 
Men change around them. People change around them. Flourishing happens around them. But yet in the same brokenness, women can use their words, women can use their, their, uh, their identity and their God-given ability to actually destroy, diminish, and actually create brokenness around them. Right? We talked about how the role of man and woman is played out in marriage and singleness. We talked about how to restore this picture of family, there's a... There's a there's a, an, uh, an act that you have, to, you, have, you have to step into. You can't, you can't wait for someone else to do it for you. You can't wait for the pastor to step in and fix your family. You can't wait for some other spiritual person to step in and do the work or make excuses for it. That God has placed you there and say, you know what? I have placed you there. I have called you. Go. Go and do that. We talked about restoring the picture of family. It means stop waiting for others. And last week we talked about the cost of following Jesus as a family. Because when you, salvation is free. But the cost of growing into this, the cost of seeing something beautiful come out of it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cost you something. The path to get there is going to cost you something. It's going to be counterintuitive to the culture. And therefore it's going to cost you a few things along the way. It's going to cost you your own personal rights. It's going to cost you your ability to uh, give up your traditions. It may even cost you some relationships. But yet God said this, if you were to trust me, if you were to trust me and do it the way I've called you to do it, run the family, be the family that I have made, I can change the world. The world will f- multiply, be fruitful because of you, right? And that's our heart. That's the heart from TLC is that we would have brothers and sisters, singles, married, that will come together and do family, the institution of family, the way God said. I mean, Honestly, you don't have to, right? You don't have to. You can do it the way you want to do it, right? But again, the premise is this. If God is the one who made it, then that doing it the way he's called us to do it will only, make it, will only be the best and flourish for us. But if we do anything outside of that, it will be less than the best. Not that you can't, but less than the best. And also, though, the consequences of that is that in your generation, it might look great, but give it one or two more. And we'll see how your willingness or your stubbornness to do it your own creates a cycle, a new cycle of brokenness for those who come after you, right? So today is the last message in the series. It is the final message in the series uh, on the family. And I wanted to talk about the spiritual family, the church family, right? How this, 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 this institution right here, the church family, plays a humongous part in your nuclear family. It plays, a, it plays a very almost, um, it, it plays a, a, a tantamount part to actually creating the right, spirit, the right family for your life, okay? And I'll explain to you how it is. But first, I want, I, want, I want you guys to see this picture that can we agree that we're all meant to be in community, right? That we were all made to be in community. You know this instinctively, right? When sisters use the restroom, they do it together. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on in there, but I know they always have to go. To, I've never seen a brother say, hey, bro, bathroom, right? Let's go. I mean, that doesn't happen. But for sisters, it is, it is something like, hey, I'm going to go use the restroom. Oh, I'll follow you. I'm like, okay. That's a little awkward, but go ahead. You know, like, and I never know what goes on in there, right? But it's, it's, a, community, it's a community aspect to it. Or, or how sometimes brothers will be willing to be beaten to a pulp so that they will be connected into a group that they can feel like they're in a family for, right? 
they, 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 there's a sense that they're willing to go and get the blood in and blood out just so they can be connected to a community. Yes, follow me? We were, we were made to be in community. Even if you think, no, I'm antisocial. Do you know there's an antisocial social club, right? I'm like, even the most antisocial people want to be categorized in their own group, you know? So even though you tell me you're antisocial, you want to be like with the antisocials. You know, it's kind of weird, but even that is a connected group. You know, we want to be in community. Yeah, I'm antisocial with the rest of them. So we're all antisocial together. We, we, you know, it's a community. It's, it's a belonging. It's a wanting for that, right? It's a natural instinctiveness to be in community. And because of that, if we recognize that there is a spiritual community that God has put in, put in place to actually help build our family community, then we'll see how our families can thrive through this. So today I want to talk about our spiritual community, right? Three points. One, you come from a spiritual line. Family community is built from a spiritual foundation. Two, spirit fa- spiritual family drives the nuclear family. And three, family is the will of God, right? Family is the will of God. So let's bow our heads. Let me pray for us before we get started. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for today. Lord, we, uh, we celebrate Father's Day, and so we celebrate you, the Father of our spirit, the Savior of our soul, the one who would give his son to redeem us into your family. And God, we thank you for that. And today, Lord, as we finish up our series and all in the family, we ask, God, that you would give us insight, clarity, and a really big passion for the spiritual family that we have here. Help us, Father God, to have clarity of mind, to understand this journey and this purpose as we move forward into uh, into building the family you have called us to build. We thank you so much, Father. We praise you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. Right, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46 to 50. This is a, this is a, a scene when Jesus has been, uh, been accused of blaspheming, right? He's been like just a, a, a little bit earlier. He said, uh, you want a sign that I am who I say I am? Destroy this temple. In three days, it will be rebuilt again. He was talking about his body, but everyone thought he was talking about the actual temple. What Jesus was saying was like, do you know who I am? You want me to prove that I'm the Savior? I'll show you. The moment you destroy this, three days later, it will be rebuilt. The sign of Jonah, right? That Jonah was in the belly of the world for three days, and then he was, he was made alive again. And so Jesus was giving the Pharisees and teachers of the law this sign to tell them, this is who I, this is who I am. And then, of course, they went crazy. They're like, how dare you think you can do this? And so now he's teaching. He's continuing to teach within his people, and his mother and his brothers show up. And they're standing outside because they don't want to come in. They don't want to be associated with what Jesus was doing because it sounds kind of crazy. And they didn't want to, like, lose the family reputation. So they stand outside waiting for him to come out and talk to them. So look, Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 47. Let's start there. And so while Jesus was still take, talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside uh, wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you, right? His mother and brothers, they could have, he's he's here preaching. He's talking to them about who he is, about the kingdom of God, about spiritual matters. He is developing a spiritual community. He is building the spiritual community off of his words. He is teaching them these things because he's telling them, I am the Savior. 
But his mom and his brothers were outside. They didn't come. They could easily came in and say, hey, you know, get my attention and then talk to Jesus right there and then. But they didn't. They stayed outside. They didn't want to be affiliated with the spiritual community that Jesus was creating. They didn't want to come in and engage in the spiritual community. They thought, you know what, let's do our thing. This is their thing. This is this whole spiritual thing. I'd rather have my family. So Jesus, come out and join, rejoin the real family. Rejoin your actual family. They, they didn't come in because they were afraid. Their lives were too, their, their, their lives were, uh, their livelihood was, um, was at stake. Jesus going around preaching these things. Like, no one's going to come and, you know, ask us to build anything anymore. Their reputation was even getting worse. Like, mom already has the red scarlet letter on her. Now, like, you're making her think, you're making everyone think the family's gone nuts. Right? The reputation was at hand. Their standing community was important. To them, it was like, it's really important that we keep the nuclear family looking good. And so, Jesus, brother, son, what you're doing, it's just too crazy. Stop. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Stop doing this whole spiritual thing. So check this out. Real fast caveat, right? While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers, okay, really contrary to uh, the, the teaching of the Catholic Church. I love Catholics, by the way. It's not that I don't, but contrary to, to what they're saying is that they really believe that uh, Mary was a perpetual virgin continuously. But here in the scripture, all you got to do is open the Bible. You can see that Mary, uh, that, that Jesus' mother was accompanied by his brothers. And these aren't spiritual brothers. These were his actual brothers. And we know who his brothers were. James is another one named Joseph, right? He was in the Bible, okay? Mentioned in there. How do you have brothers, right? <laughs> Your mother got to do something to have brothers, right? She can't be a virgin anymore. And so that's what happened, Okay, and so his mom and his brothers were outside, and they were upset. Think about it. If you were, if you were Jesus' brother, right, you spent your whole life growing up with him. I mean, he's pretty, you know, pretty cool. He's kind of has a little, nice little aura to him. But all of a sudden, he comes and he tells you, I'm God. I'm your Savior. I'm actually your Lord, you know. Like, what brother would be like, yes, right? Yes, let me worship you, right? And there's no brother that would actually, can you imagine Right? Seth coming to Enoch one day, he's like, Enoch, I am God. Worship me. Right? Enoch would be like, get out of here. You know, there would be no respect for that. And especially if Enoch, I mean, Seth goes around and starts, you know, spewing nonsense and getting the family in trouble and start like making everyone like, hey, what's wrong with you guys? There's going to be issues, right? That's what Jesus was doing. He was creating problems. And they were like, you're messing with the family. Why, why are you doing all this kind of weird spiritual things, right? Come out, let's restore, let's, let's, let's make sure the face of our family is kept good and well, reputation is good. Let me, let's, let's have a conversation to stop this. Do you know what's wrong here in this picture? Jesus' mother and Jesus' brother, where were they? They were, they were outside. They didn't come in. They didn't come into the very spiritual foundation, spiritual community that was being built. They, they chose to stay outside. And this is an indication. This is what the, the text is trying to tell us. They did not understand the basis of family is actually a spiritual basis, right? They did not understand that they came from a spiritual line. What what do I mean by that? So when a husband and a wife gets together, are these two guys related? No, they're not related, right? There's no blood ties here. You guys get me? So it's not blood that's thicker than spirit. There's no ties here. But when they come together, 
they get married and they're intimate, the Bible says they become one. You guys get that? It's not DNA. It is a spiritual connection. So what Jesus' brothers and mother failed to understand was that family from the very beginning was built off of the spiritual foundation. It's a spiritual basis for family. It's not about blood. It's not about DNA. It's truly about two people, two different souls coming together and becoming one spirit. And so therefore, here's the thing. If the premise is, if the family is based off a spiritual foundation, then why is the expression of family built off of a worldly expression? You guys get me? If the basis of family is built off of a spiritual foundation, then why is the expression of our families oftentimes centered around money, success, livelihood, happiness, children, right? Why is, why is it not built off of the very foundation that, 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 that it claims to be built upon? So again, let me tell you the premise. The premise is this. If it's true, if Jesus is who he says he is, if God is who he says he is, and he created two people and they came together and they became one spirit, this act right there, the act of intimacy, act of building a covenant through sex, that is a spiritual act. And it binds two people together and they begin to have a family based on this spiritual connection. You guys get me? So if that's the basis then why is the expression different? You guys ever get kind of confused when your parents tell you one thing, but they do another thing, right? That sense of hypocrisy, right? You sense it, right? Where here is what we say we're so important to us, but then this is what we actually value as important, okay? It's, it's always blown my brain. I, I can never handle that. Like, I can never handle, like, when things are opposite like that. You know, like, let's say you're playing basketball. Basketball, the premise of basketball is you take the ball, you dribble it, throw it into a hoop. What if they start kicking the ball, Right? You're like, what are you doing? That's not how you play the game. That's not the basis of the game. Why are you expressing it like that? If the basis of marriage and family is spiritual, then why are you outside? You understand that? If the basis of what you built your family on by God's dimension, God's cosmic way of thinking is spiritual, then why are you outside rather than inside? Why are you standing out, Mary and brothers? Why are you out there thinking that our reputation, our family is so much more important than the spiritual aspect of it? It's because this, because them, like us, oftentimes have forgotten the basis of our family. And some of you guys are, I don't, I don't buy your premise, PT, right? I don't buy the premise that two people coming together is a spiritual premise, right? Let me tell you this, okay? All you, all you need to do is just think about your first, if you've ever, if you've ever slept with somebody, right, before marriage, right, and you've slept with many people before marriage, it's the first one. The first one is always the most heartbreaking, isn't it? If they break your heart, do you know why is that? It's never, it's never the third or fourth or fifth one, right? It's usually always the first one. Is it all oh, because it's first love? No. It's first connection. When two souls come together, it becomes one spirit, and to break that apart, you're ripping soul and spirit apart from each other. You guys get me? It's like a scab. Right? You ever just pull off a scab, right? It's not like, oh, it feels so good, right? It's, it's painful. It hurts, right? It's, 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 it's destructive. And so when, when you have, like say, best example is Play-Doh, right? You have blue, you have yellow, you come together, woo, right? You mix it, it's still pretty, it becomes what? Blue and yellow becomes green, right? It becomes green, it's like, wow, it's so pretty, right? But then what happens? Can you, can you separate the two again? 
No, once, once, once they're mixed, they're mixed. There's no way you can separate them. But let's say you try. You, you, you pull it apart, and then you try to, like, combine it with two other colors, right? And then you combine it with a bunch of other colors. What is the color that ultimately comes out of that? Brown, right? I'm not saying poop is bad, but I'm just saying it's just my son's like, oh, that is poop. I'm like, yeah, thank you, right, for that visual, you know? See, it's, it's, and it's always the first. The first is always the heart, especially if it, if it doesn't come to a place where it is, where, where, where we actually see it as a, as a spiritual basis. Because everything after that just becomes numb and becomes just motion. But that first one, you, we always remember the first one. We always remember if we ever had it. Right? We always remember the heartache, the breakup, the pain of it. Because why? Because it's spiritual. You're ripping soul and spirit. It's always been like that. See, what Jesus, what the passage is indicating for us here, it's very important for us to understand, okay? Mary, Jesus' mother and Jesus' brothers, they were outside because they lacked the understanding that a family's foundation is from a spiritual basis. If this is where the spiritual foundation is, then why is the expression of it outside? If it's based on what is built inwardly where Christ is at, then why are you outside? You guys get me? Okay. And so we see this happening in, in, in Mary and uh, his brothers. And so Jesus, he feels his vibe. He feels the vibe of his family. He, he recognizes, okay, they're not coming in because they're embarrassed. They're not coming in because they don't want to be seen by the rest of the town and be affiliated. They want to have this kind of private conversation or a little family conversation about like, hey, you got to stop. Stop doing this. It's really hurting the family. It's really screwing everything up. And he, and, he, and, and he recognized that they don't see family as a spiritual aspect. They see it as more of like this relational, cultural, traditional aspect. They don't see it as a deeper intention behind it. And so Jesus took this moment while his mom and his brothers were outside, and he said something even crazier just to piss them off, right? No, he said something crazier just to teach them, to teach them something even deeper about spiritual family. So check this out. Verse 48 to 49, he says this. He replied to the guy, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, right, he says, here are my mother and my brothers, okay? So if you read this text wrong, right, you're probably going to join a cult, okay? That's probably how it is. If you read this text wrong, you're going to join a cult because most cults will say this, neglect your family, who are they? They're not your mom. This right here, this church, this building, this community, this is your real family. Neglect them. This is your mother. This is your brother, okay? If you read the text wrong, that's where it's going to lead to. But what Jesus is saying here is this. The spiritual family is what actually makes the traditional family, right? The spiritual family, he's pointing to his, 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 uh, his disciples. These are his first believers. These were his, uh, this was the first church. This was the first group that were coming after him. He said, this is, they're not perfect. They're flawed in every possible way. But he's saying this, this spiritual relationship I have with them, the spiritual relationship that we are building here, this relationship is what makes a mother. It's what makes a brother. It's what makes a father. It's what makes a sister. It's what makes a husband. It's what makes a wife. It's what makes a daughter. It's what makes a son. The spiritual relationships here drives the actual relationship out there. The spiritual family is what creates the nuclear family. In modern language, it looks something like this. It tells you this. 
the community of faith, the spiritual community that we have, our church, right here, is what actually creates the real family out there. It's not that you go, it's not that now that I have a family, I'll come to church. It's that I have a church. I have a spiritual family. Now I know how to create another spiritual family. You guys get that? Now that I have a spiritual family, now that I've invested here, now that I know the people here, now that I've grown here, I now, I now know what makes a spiritual family. And I can actually go out and make a spiritual family. So what Jesus is saying, look at my disciples. This is my mother. This is my brother. He's saying in this spiritual relationship, that's how you make a father. That's how you make a mother. Is that you have to have a church. Um, you can't be a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a daughter, a son, at least in the way God wants it to be, without a spiritual community. You guys, look, you guys understand that? Look at each other and say, you're my spiritual family. Uh, right? Like, like put your arm around them and say, you're my spiritual family. Man. Right? You, you guys realize this? It is, it is in the spiritual family that you know how to make an actual family. Okay? It's within the confines of accountability with this relationship, it's within the confine of intergenerational wisdom, right? Like, I know we all have different, you know, stages of life. We all come with different wisdom, areas of wisdom that's constantly passed down within the community of church, within the community of family. Men, mentoring other men of what it looks like to be men. Women, mentoring women of what it looks like to be women. Discipleship, investment. When we have a spiritual family, then we understand how to make an actual family. You guys get that? Mary and Jesus' brothers, his mother and his brothers, did not understand that the basis of family was spiritually, spiritual foundation. They thought it was just cultural, familial, DNA, blood ties. And so they treated it like familial, cultural, traditional blood ties. Jesus is saying it goes so much deeper than that. From the beginning, God has made man and woman together. They become one. That becomes the family. It's a spiritual connection. Therefore, the expression of it must be a spiritual expression. This relationship I have with you, this relationship you have with me, this is what's going to make husband wives. This is what's going to make fathers mothers. This is what's going to make sons and daughters. You guys get me? Let me give you, let me give you a few examples, okay? You know, when I first came to TLC, like when I worked at the Korean church, I never invited, I shared that, I never invited anyone over to my church, I mean, to my house, right? Like no one, no one knew how to get to my house, let alone like actually come to my house. But when we got here, we got here, one of the elders of our church, like an older gentleman, an older, not gentleman, he's not that old, like he, he's a brother, right? He came and he said, you know, he, he showed us what it looks like to open your home, right? Because he opened his home all the time, right? All the time. And we're like, does people usually do this? Do like Christians do this? Like, yes. And he, and, he, and he encouraged us, you should do it too. And I was, like, I was a little embarrassed. I'm like, but I have so many shrines. Like, I got the crazy grandma. Like, I don't think people want to come over. Like, it's all these things, you know? But he said, you should open your home. Right? Learning to develop. And, and then what happens? That, that's mentorship. That, that's learning to take your family, your home, your immediate house, and turn it into a spiritual family. You guys get me? Right? You learn that. Where are you going to learn that from? Okay? Or like um, Wednesday Wife Day, right? A day of rest. Saturday, right? 
right? Family day. Do you, do you know, like, <laughs> let me tell you guys the story. I mean, do you guys know that as a pastor, if I break any of the Ten Commandments, I will probably be fired. Think about it, right? If I kill somebody, obviously, right? I should probably be fired, you know? If I lie, or if I stole church money, obviously fired. If I commit adultery, obviously fired. But you know the one commandment that if I actually break, I might get a promotion? Sabbath, right? If I, if I, if I break the Sabbath and I just kind of like work like crazy, everyone will be like, yes, give that man a promotion, right? It's crazy. It's crazy. But you know, it's here at TLC, you know what the one thing I heard, that's what I love about head pastor, right? Head pastor said, you have to have a day and rest. Rest with your family, do your thing. And it's, it's almost unheard of, guys. Seriously, I, I talk to all my colleagues, right? And I'm like, hey, how, how you guys doing? Like, I'm tired, man. It's like, when's your Sabbath? And they're like, what's the Sabbath, right? There is no Sabbath, right? My Sabbath is right after church for that two-hour nap I get. That's my Sabbath, right? It's crazy, where do you learn rest from? Where do you learn to take care of our families from? It was from the spiritual family. You guys get me? How about this? All right? Um, kingdom-mindedness. Really caring about someone's soul. All right? How, how does the spiritual family help you develop that? Okay? Do you guys realize that when you tithe and you give your offering, you allow for... It doesn't go in my pocket. It doesn't go anywhere. Like, it's not like, I, I, like woohoo, money, right? It's... it's this thing is given, and so we're able to use it for missions, for ministries, for causes, right? To, to, to teach our young men, our young women as they go off to serve and to give, to have this kingdom mindset, to this giving mindset, this, this life mindset, to care about souls of people. You know, last night I was at, um, I was at uh, Danny. You know Danny, our, our drummer, right? Uh, he's the high school. He's going, he's going to come up here soon. His graduation party, right? And um, I just came to eat. Honestly, he's going to Peru, so I just wanted to like, see, see him off and, like, you know, making sure everything's okay and so I went over to eat, and I was, honestly, I was just enjoying the food, some good food. And then, like, he looked at me. He's like, PT. He's like this little head shake. I was like, oh, what's up? Right? So I thought he had something nice to show me. He walks me out, right, to his, to his backyard. All right? He, he gave me a, uh, a beer. He says, PT. He points to all these people that was there, all these, like, Asian people. He's like, that's my family. Do your job. Right? <laughs> and, and he just walked away. I'm like so awkward. You know, so I sat down and we, we talked and we like kind of, we hit it off for like about, about an hour. We talked about an hour, but it was cool. His family was really, really, really cool. Thing. But you know, we end up sharing the faith and sharing the gospel and sharing the whole, the picture. But I was like, dang it, Danny, why don't you do it? Right? So I was like, all right, fine. You know, I get it. I get it. You know, I'm pastor. You know, pastor duties. You know, so I, so I came back in. I was like, all right, cool. So eating some more and then he busts out the karaoke. You know when the karaoke busts out, you're like, it's about to have a party, right? And I was getting ready to like, you know, pick my song. And then, PT was, and then Danny was like, PT. And I was like, what? And then it came out. You know, gave me another beer. He's like, it's my high school friends. Um, they're in jazz band together. Do you think? Right? And, and he walks in. And he walks in. I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, what is wrong with you? And so, you know, I sat there and started talking to him for another hour. You know, I'm like, man. My wife is just in there, like, you know, singing Whole New World with my son. And like, I'm like, man, I'm just like, all right. I mean, do you know about Jesus? And, you know, going the whole process. And then his friends were like, why, why are you out here? I was like, you know, honestly, I think he wants me to share Jesus to you guys, so you got 10 minutes? He's like, yeah, sure. So we talked about it for another 10 minutes. But, you know, it's funny because we laughed about that. We laugh about it. It is kind of funny. And actually, Danny came out. I was like, Danny, next time you need to show up to a small group or community group to learn this stuff. Like, I, I can't be doing this for you all the time. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I just, you were here. So, you know, just, yeah, 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 right? You know, that's him. That's so Danny, right? You know, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, right? But, 
But you know, you know what, what was endearing about that, though? Endearing about that, the, the, the moment was that he actually cared, right? He actually cared. He cared enough for his, the, the souls of his family members, his cousins. Like, there was like eight of them, right? I think one of them just got out of jail or something. He's like, PT, right? His, his two buddies from school, right? He cared enough. He says, all right, look, I can say something, but it's probably better if you say it. So, you, just, you know, and he, and, he, and he passed the buck, but, you know, it's still, it's that heart that's there that's developed from where? Spiritual family. You guys get me? It's the spiritual family that helps develop the actual family. Right? I'll give you another example. Like, discipling your children. Discipling your children. That's like, a, it's like you know, the, the Christian thing you have to do, disciple your kids, right? But how are you going to disciple your children if you can't even disciple? And you, where do you get that from? From learning to care for somebody here in your church as you do salt, as you disciple someone, Right? I remember, man, I remember Evan, he always, he, he always gets on me for this. He's like, PT, you got to learn to listen more and ask your salt guys how they're feeling more. I'm like, why? That's awkward, bro. Like, we don't, we just get to the point. He's like, no, no. It's like, it's awkward because you guys never done it. It's like, I think it's awkward because this is awkward, right? He says, you should try it, you know? And I was like, so what must I do? Just show up and say, hey, how are you feeling? Right? It's, 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 he's, like, he's like, yeah, something like that, you know? And, you know, it's, it's, it's cute and it's fun. Like, when we joke around like that. But then, of course, God, right, gives me the most sensitive child in the world, right? And I'm seeing this kid, Seth. I'm like, how are you feeling? You all right? You know? I can't do that with him unless what? Learn it from the spiritual family. It's the spiritual family that actually drives the nuclear family. You guys follow that? It's not the other way around. You don't come out here, let's make a family and then figure out what it is. It's, you have the spiritual family that has taught us, that has invested, that, has, that you develop accountability, that you've committed to, and then it comes out and you live it. What about this? Responsibility and commitment. Right? All you ladies. Like, I have never met a lady who does not want a responsible, committed man. Right? Right? Is that, is that true? Like, you want, your, you want the guy that you're going to be married is responsible, he's committed, devoted. But you know the culture that they're taught in is a culture that says, be free. Commitment? No way, right? Like, enjoy as much as you can, right? Commitment is like for the crazies, right? But I've never met a relationship where I've, I've seen the woman saying, yeah, I just like it when my man just runs off, goes on vacation by himself, seeing the world, then taking Instagram and showing it to me. I love that. I've never seen that happen, right? I've never heard of that before. There's, there's commitment, there's devotion, there's responsibility. Where do you learn that? Where do you get that from? So when we serve in ministries here within the group, when we serve to give ourselves into uh, places where we offer ourselves. You know, here at TLC, we have a value system. We call it mobs. You ever heard of mobs? You have mobs before? We have a value system. All ministry leaders should know this, right? We have a mob system. It's not, I just like the word mob, so I, just, I use an acronym, right? Mobs, it's, it's make it happen, Right? That no matter how tough, no matter how many challenges you have in developing your ministry or going through your challenges in ministry, you have to what? Make it happen. Don't make an excuse for it. Make it happen. And then you got to do what? Oh, you got to own it. Own the situation. Don't pass the buck. Don't give the responsibility off to somebody else. But own the situation. And then what? Better it. Be. And you better it every time. You don't keep it status quo, but that you make it better as you progress. Because life in, in ministry is progression. If you stay the same, you're going to die. 
And S, you sacrifice for it. You give your time, you give your resources, you give your energy. Now, where do you think that can translate to when you develop an actual family? Right? There are going to be situations between you and your wife, you and your children, your husbands, right? Where it's going to be so many challenges. But you know what? We have to make it happen. We have to drive our relationship forward. We have to grow. We have to overcome this. Oh, we have to own it. Right? You got to own it. You have to better it, and you got to sacrifice for it. Am I saying that you can't have a family without church? No, I'm not saying that at all. Okay? There are millions of people, even billions, that can have family without church. What I'm saying is you can't have the family that God has made or intended it to be without church, without a spiritual family. It is the spiritual family that drives the nuclear family. And so do you understand why? Listen, guys, do you understand why when I hear how hard it is for you to commit at TLC, it's such a hard thing for me to, like, grasp? Like, like commitment, like, I, when I ask you guys to sign a covenant paper, like, it's like, no, never, right? Member, never, right? Why do I have to sign this paper? Why do I have to do Dude, it is a practice of commitment. That's all it is, right? I'm not going to like, it's not by blood. You're not going to like die. I'm not going like, to ask you to give me anything, right? But it is a, an act of saying I'm willing to commit. It's a practice of that. It's a journey for that, okay? And I know some of you guys are thinking this, whoa, 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 okay? This is all assuming that the church is perfect, right? I mean, like, if the spiritual family is great, then the the nuclear family would be. This is assuming, PT, that you're talking about an amazing church, right? And let's be honest, TLC is great, but we're not amazing, right? We're pretty cool, but we're not perfect, okay? Let's, I'll, I'll give you that. TLC is not a perfect church. We are, we are some messed up people. Your pastor is, is, is like head of the line of not perfect, right? And definitely messed up. Ask my wife, right? You know Right, that they, the people here have disappointed you before. And you know that there will be a day that I will probably, most likely, disappoint you. Right? That is, it is almost, it's inevitable that that's going to happen. Right? And then we use, like, okay, church is not perfect, therefore, why do I need to build, use this to build that? Can I tell you something about Christianity? This is where Christianity is so beautiful. Within Christianity, right? Within, within this, 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 this standard, this, this line that God has made, there's a self-correcting mechanism. That any time where God's, this is, the, the standard is beautiful, the people are not, right? And oftentimes when the people deter from the actual standard, from the actual what's best, it makes the whole picture look ugly, yes? But within Christianity, I think it's only within Christianity that there's a self-correcting mechanism that brings the people back. You guys get me? It's only within Christianity that there's a self-correcting mechanism that brings the people back. You know what that is? It's the gospel. It's the good news because the good news of Jesus Christ telling us that we are nobody, that we cannot do anything by ourselves, right? that we have nothing to claim for, nothing to brag about, that we have nothing to say that we are awesome because it took the life of Jesus Christ himself to save us. It corrects us and it brings us back because of why? Repentance. You guys get me? Everybody look at you and say repentance. Right? As long as the church can still repent, the church can be fixed. You guys get that? As long as Christians can still repent, there's a mechanism to fix it. 
when, when Martin Luther King Jr., when he went down to Alabama South, where all the white churches were like, you know, segregation, all that stuff. You know what he said to the churches? He didn't say, y'all messed up. You got to change your Christianity. He said, you got to go deeper into your Christianity. He said, let, let, let justice flow like a mighty river. Let righteousness like a mighty stream. He says, the problem with you is not your Christianity. The problem with you is that you're lacking more of your Christianity. You got to go deeper back into it. Let itself, let, let it, let it fix itself again. The mechanism. Slavery was broken because of that very same mechanism. This is the standard of humans. This is where people have taken it. And then what happens? The self-correcting mechanism kicked in and brought it back. You guys get me? It takes time, but it kicks in as long as the church repents. And do you, do you guys know why I love TLC, why I love this church, right? Is that your leaders, your vision team, your servant team, they have done everything possible to create a space for that correction. They, they have done everything possible that even when the pastor himself screws up, there's a space for correction. They have done everything possible where they created a, uh, an area where men and women can find repentance and turn back. Where men and women are driven towards Christ's purpose again, where men and women are encountering Jesus. That's the beauty and how hard our vision team, our everything, everything that, that's developed here, guys, is not so that I can have things to do for you, right? It is, it is to develop your spiritual family that you may be able to drive that into your actual family. It is to strengthen the accountability of men so that you will actually be husbands that will lead your family. It is to keep accountable to our sisters so that you will be women who understand the spiritual aspect of family. It is to get you guys to see kingdom mindsets so that as a family you will actually have kingdom mindset purposes. You guys get that? It is the spiritual family that drives the nuclear family. Look at each other and says, you're my spiritual family. Look at you and say, I need you. Look at you and say, I need you. I need you. Right? And so when Jesus said, when Jesus pointed to his disciples and he says, here are, are my mother and here are my brothers. What he's saying is this. It is the spiritual family, the spiritual relationship that makes a mother, that actually makes a brother. Okay? Again, I'm telling you, is it possible to have a family without this whole spiritual thing? Of course it is. But it's always less than the best. You can do anything. You, that, that's the God-given free will that you have. But it will always be less than the best for you. And it might be great for you, for you but the one group after you, the one generation after you, right? You see the cycle of brokenness kick back in. We have the ability and the power in the gospel to not let the brokenness continue, but to stop it here and now and let the journey of family flourishing and the world continue. All right, so last year, what is the main marker of a spiritual family? What is the main marker of a spiritual family? First, you have to understand all family is spiritually based. I don't care if you don't believe in Jesus Christ or you believe in Christ, right? If you believe you're a religious person or a non-religious person, all family, if God is who he says he is, all family is built off of spirituality. It's spiritually based. Secondly, it's that spiritual relationship then that will drive that spiritual family, right? 
It's a spiritual relationship that you develop within the community is what's going to drive the spiritual family. Now, here's this last one. What is the main marker of it? Verse 50. He says this. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He's saying this. What is the marker of a spiritual family? Whoever does the will of my Father is this family. And what is the will of God? What is the will of the Father? It's to believe in Jesus. It's to believe in Jesus. It's to trust him at his word. And it's to live in obedience to it. It's to believe in Jesus to say he is who he says he is. To trust his words when he says it. And to actually have the heart to obey it. Because you can say I trust Jesus or I believe Jesus and not have the other part. You guys get me? You can say, yeah, yeah, I believe Jesus. I, I, I believe in God. Right? But, do not have the, but you do not have the trust nor the willingness to obey it. That's not belief. That's just words. Okay? You can even say, I believe and I trust. I believe God and I trust him. But if you don't actually do anything about it, your trust and your belief is, doesn't make sense. It's built off of the wrong foundation. All right? I'll give you an example. And I used to teach swimming, and I, I think I, th- I shared the story. When one of these kids, one of the, the lessons they have to learn is jumping off a diving board, right? And they get on this diving board, and they have to jump off. It's pretty high for, like, a small tyke, right? It's like, it looks like it's, it's the longest fall in the world. And so I, I remember this one kid is climbing up. He's standing there. I, I, stand, I stand right beneath the diving board, so he can't really see me, right? And he's like, you know, Tony, where are you? I'm like, I'm right here. He's like, I can't see you. I was like, do you trust me? And he said, yes. He said, then jump. He said, no. I said, no, you trust me, then jump. I'll catch you. He says, I trust you. I trust you so much. I just, no, right? That means you don't trust me, right? Jump, you know? And so, and so like, he's like, he's crying. I can't do it. I can't see you. And the reason I don't come out to where he's at, because if he jumps, right, and, you know, I have to come to him, you know, he can drown. If you don't catch him right away, they freak out even more, right? So it's better if they jump and they just fall right in front of you. And as they fall, you just catch them and you lift them up real fast, right? So I know, you know, I've experienced. So I said, just trust and jump. And he's up there, he's like, no. And it's freezing cold. And he, just, he, he doesn't want to walk. He can't walk back because it's too high because he's scared to go down, right? So he's stuck up there and everyone's just watching. This is an awkward moment. And thank God for community, right? Thank God for his mom, right? Basically, she said, you jump or you don't eat. Right? She's like screaming out there. He's like, you jump right now. Right? And he was like, Mom, no, I can't see Tony teaching. He's right there. I see him. Just jump. Right? And he's like, I was like, dude, Edward, do you trust me? He's like, yes. Jump. And he's like, okay. And he's like making all these like, you know, cross signs. like, I'm going to see Jesus today. Right? He jumps down. The moment he jumps, he's falling. And you can see him like, really? Ah, right? And he hits the water. And, you know, right there. I'm right there. I pick him up. And he's like, wow, that's awesome. He's like, I know. Right? You trust me? I said, yes. Then just jump next time. I said, okay. Right? See, trust requires obedience. You guys get me? Belief and trust requires obedience. Because if you have belief, you have trust, there's obedience, there will always be change. You guys get me? There will always be change. That mechanism that I talked about, it will always be there. There's belief and trust and obedience. Because anyone who's willing to obey will always change. You know when, 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 um, when you guys like, start dating someone, we always ask, like, what's the first question like, everyone always asks? Is he or she, are they, are they a believer, right? Do they, do they believe in Jesus Christ, right? And then sometimes in the church you get kind of like, annoyed by that. Like, why does that matter? What about their heart? What about their like, other stuff? Like, why do you have to worry about their Christianity for? You know why we ask that question? It's not because of the label. I, don't, I can care less about the label, right? 
we ask that question because we want to lay some sort of like, you know, foundation as we meet them, right? If this person says they believe in Jesus Christ, we're hoping that they also trust in Jesus Christ, right? Which means what? If they obey, then they can be changed. You guys get me? If they obey, then they can be changed. They could be the most messed up person at that moment, but if they're willing to obey, then the progression, inevitability is that they will grow if there's obedience. And if there's a spiritual, the second question we ask, did they go to church, right? Did they go, are they like, like, I believe in Jesus Christ in front of my TV, right? Or I believe in Jesus Christ as I worship football, right? Do they actually have a, a spiritual family, that they're learning accountability, that they're learning discipleship, that they're engaging in mentorship with. Because if that's happening, then we know that that spiritual family will eventually result in a family that's built off of Jesus Christ. You guys follow? That's why we ask, right? I'm not asking because I'm trying to like, like, tell me more, right? It's not about that. It's really about we love you, we care for you, we want to know that the person that you're going to speak hopefully spend the rest of your life with, loves Jesus Christ. And if they don't have to be perfect, honestly, that's not even like my thing. But if they know and they love him, then they're always the picture of obedience and change. But if they, they say they love him, there's no church involved, and all that happens, you have to really question, like, are, will they really change when they marry you? Will they really, when things get tough, are they really going to give up their rights when things get difficult, are they really going to learn to, how many of you, oh man, tell you a story, like, you know our family ministry, they have a family ministry, right, in our family ministry, all the young couples who have kids, we're talking, we're talking about, the, uh, the topic that we're talking about right now is the topic of sex, right, how to talk to your kids about sex, and like, it's the most awkward conversation, right, only because like, nobody in that group has ever had a talk with their parents about sex, you know, and they're like, dude, tell me, like, my kid's like two years old. Like, why are we learning this now? It's kind of kind of awkward. Like, dude, it's, if you don't learn to teach them now, they're going to get it from somebody else, right? They're going to learn it from somebody else. It's rather you be the one that actually guides them than someone else does it. Like, yeah, yeah, it makes sense, you know, but, and I asked him the question, like, look, why is it awkward for you to talk? It's awkward for you. For them, it's just another conversation, right? For them, it's just like penis, okay, right? It's not, oh, birth, no, oh, okay, right? Right, but that's, that's them, you know, but for you, it's like, um, um, so that's called the, um, well, you know, you know, right? You give it some other weird names for it, right? All the names that as parents we give, we give the anatomical body parts of the human sexuality, right? But to them, they're like, okay, penis, right? And then they're okay with that. They're fine with that, you know? It's awkward for us. And the reason why it's awkward for us to talk about it is because, it's because most of the parents have never developed a very simple spiritual family foundation. Do you know what it is? Simple discipleship. To actually sit down and have a talk with your kids about Anything, prayer, prayer for your kids, talk to them about Christ, about their day, who Christ is. And so that's never there because why? The spiritual family never developed that. Because you never developed that in spiritual family, guess what? You're not going to develop that in your actual family. And so when it comes to topics like this, you'd rather have the state of California teach your kids what sexuality is, right? Man, and that's crazy. You guys, you guys get me, right? If Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the will of the Father, the will of the, 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 the main, I'm sorry, the main marker of a spiritual family is that they do the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is that you believe, you trust, and you obey who Jesus says he is. And if that's the case, what you see is you see a, you see a 
breaking of the brokenness of family and the beginning of a cycle of restoring Eden. All right? And the only thing, listen, the only, the only, again, the only thing I have to offer you guys behind all of this is what Jesus Christ has done for us. You guys get that? That the Father, he loves his children enough that he said, I'm not going to let you just live in the physical, but I'm going to restore the broken spiritual that you have already given yourself over to. I'm going to restore that by doing what? By giving you my only son. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to, we're going to sack, he's going to make, he's going to do everything possible. He is going to own humanity. He's going to better humanity. And he's going to sacrifice for humanity to restore the broken spirituality from us. All right? So how do we know that even this road that we're going to take, let's say, let's say, let's say you're, you're, you're on this kind of spiritual journey, you're on the spiritual kind of like journey of figuring out things out. How do you know that this is actually a good thing, that PT is not just kind of like, being preachy and doing all the whole spiritual religious stuff. How do, I, how do you know? Whether you believe the premise and all the, the arguments or not, the one thing that I have to offer is this. If Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then he died and he came back to life to show you that things can be restored. That things can be restored. Your life can be restored. The family can be restored. All things were made to be restored. It was not meant to be broken. And so we follow after him. We believe and we trust him and we obey him. What we see is a journey of restoration. You guys follow? Okay. We have nothing to hold on to except for one thing. Christ's death and his resurrection. If that is true, then why would you not give family a shot? If Christ is true, why would you not give the spiritual family a shot? If that is true, why would you not invest in the spiritual family? We're not trying to make programs here, right, to, like, you know, keep people busy. We are trying our best, our hardest to restore broken spirituality. And like I said before so many times, if you cannot do it here, if for some reason, like, I, I, give, I give all of our seniors who graduate high school a talk. We have a one-on-one -on -one with the pastor, and this is the one thing I always tell them. You have one year off. I, you, before anyone recruits you, and they will recruit you, right? They will find you. They will hunt you down. And they will make you join the ministry. Before you join and you say yes to them, I will give you as the pastor of the EM one year off. Check out any church you want. To not even be at TLC if you don't want to, right? Stay in the church. Don't, don't go anywhere cultish, right? But, you know, like, to discover God as he is, bigger than TLC, right? And if you, after one year, tell me, PT, I'm growing over there then praise the Lord, you stay there, right? If after one year you say, PT, I want to join what we're doing here, then praise the Lord. You come and you join, and you will be hunted down by every ministry who needs help, right, which is so many, right? But you have one year off. Why? Because we're not in the business of growing our numbers. We're in the business of really developing spiritual hearts to see the love of the Father and developing a family that will actually bring restoration to the world. You guys follow? Right? That's my prayer. That's my heart. That's my intention. I'm not perfect at it. Our leaders are not perfect at it. But we have one thing. We can still repent. Right? And in repentance, there is still change and there's still the ability to grow. So my prayers, guys, as we end this series, let's restore our families. Let's bring it back to the spiritual family that God has called us to have.